Good afternoon to day three of the Spore Stage Cunning Sales Plan with myself and the fantabulous Jeff Birch. This is the sales training duo of the century with Team GB, our illustrious leader in this session, Jeff Birch. Looking forward to another exciting day of interesting stories, uh, anecdotes and different ways of looking things that are going to help you change your perspective to get a better result. So welcome to today's session. A couple more people still coming into the room. My name is Nathan Simmons, senior coach and, and trainer for MBM, Making Business Matter, the home of sticky learning. And the idea of these lunchtime learnings is to help you be the best version of you in the work that you do right now at home and preparing you for the return to work. Get you set up for success as the last people turn up. Make sure you've got a drink available. Make sure you've got water, tea, coffee, whatever. And make sure, actually that reminds me, good reminder for myself, mobile phones, let's make sure they're on flight mode with zero distractions. Zero out the distraction completely so you can give yourself 100% to this training because the only investment that is guaranteed is the investment that you make into yourself and your thinking to improve your outcomes and accomplishments. What are we going to be covering today? What else do we need to be covering? Ah, thanks for reminding me, Jeff. He didn't even realize he did it. If you have not registered for tomorrow's session already, now is the time to grab the link out of the chat box. I'm going to have that there in a second for you so that you can register for tomorrow's session. If you haven't already done so, now is the time to get that window open so you can get yourself ready. That will appear in the chat box in just a minute. Welcome to the stage, Jeff Birch, rip-roaring keynote speaker, six bestseller time selling best-selling author, BBC presenter, and just a phenomenal person to walk, 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 walk and work alongside of. So thank you very much, Jeff. Jeff. Well, very you know, nice. Yeah. Where are we going? Well, where do we go? I mean, we're, we're, if we're still working on the vague skeleton, the vague skeletal remains of our four-stage plan, the third, the third stage in it, it was we, we've, we've set up, we've, did I achieve my objective was the first. Now and again, to remind anybody watching this, there's not much point in asking yourself that question if you didn't have an objective. <laughs> um, the second thing is, what have I learned? That, that's the point. What have I learned that will help me with this particular call? So we're asking great questions of the customer and so on and so forth. Uh, the today's is what have I learned that I can make use of uh, elsewhere? So in other words, uh, the sort of vague skeleton that we're working on today is the fact that when we talk to a customer or potential customer, um, they know their own industry. So I don't know, you'd say something like, oh, I noticed there's a new factory being built on the town next in the town. And I drove through croydon oh, that's a great big place going up what's that oh well that's a that's a big paper mill it's like oh, you remember the weird kid who worked here with the sticky out ears well he's the he's the new managing director there oh really is that what was his name brian brian that's right brian brian said so you know two days later brian whatever his name is gets a, a nice congratulations on his new position and you've got an appointment with somebody else in your industry so, so it's it's very useful to gather information. Now, we um, 
one of the things that we haven't covered in these scintillating broadcasts that we do, he said that with his tongue firmly pressed in his cheek, is we haven't talked about the role of the boss. Now, a lot of people visiting us are nominally a boss. Maybe they're a sort of small business, but they would like to employ somebody who goes out and gets business for them. Or maybe they're a sales manager or maybe they're a managing director or whatever they do. And we talked about a lot when we started this about it's about moving people, moving people from one place to another. Now, a very famous and scintillating and exciting sales expert, who's me, wrote a book called The Way of the Dog. Now, The Way of the Dog <laughs> was the maddest book I've ever written. I don't know if I've got a copy anywhere. Um, but anyway, it was about this guy, uh, about this guy that's such a rubbish salesman that he's trying to sell double glazing and he blames the customers. It's all the customers' fault that they won't buy this stuff. And he's rubbish. And he tries to sell double glazing to a strange little old lady who lives in a gingerbread house in the wood. <laughs> Fatal mistake. Um, he noticed some children are eating the roof um, and points this out to the old lady, not realizing who she is. She says, there's some kids eating your roof. And she says, I blame the parents, you know. <laughs> anyway, she's so exasperated with his crap selling that she turns him into a dog, right? So he goes to work as a sheepdog. And this is where he learns how to handle customers. And, and this objective thing, he works with a great sales manager who happens to be a brilliant sheepdog called Shep, who lets him loose on the sheep to see how he does. And the first thing he does is like all crap salesmen, he rushes at the sheep barking, you know, row, 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 row. Hey, you know, like these people that dive out from amongst the yucca plants in car showrooms, you know, the first, and what do the sheep do? They run off, you know. So you, you watch a real sheepdog. And, and and the shepherd who who's going, whoa, boy, whoa, boy, whoa, boy. And the dog goes, shut up a minute, right? And he sits on this hillside and sees the situation. He sees where the sheep are. He sees the obstacles, the prickly hedge, the stream, the wood. And then the pen is where they've got to be. Now, anybody who's listening to this who would like to make their business work, what I love is because I'm a miserable git, is I want to set aside anything about personality, anything about uh, luck, uh, scintillating, whatever it is. You what I want to give a simple roadmap to making success inevitable. Now, the thing that fascinates me about a sheepdog is he doesn't look at those sheep in that field go, oh, my God, come back to the shepherd and say, can I have some easier sheep? <laughs> you know, the sheep are where the sheep are. The customer is where the customer is. And if you're starting a new business, the customer is doing business with somebody else. Today, you know, unless you've got a totally new product like levitating boots or something, on the whole, you will be going in making an offer of something they've already got or using and are using from somebody else. You can't say, well, it's useless. They're already buying 
levitating boots. They've all got, no, you know, the sheep are where the sheep are. Where do you want them to be? I want them to be in the pen. So what are the obstacles? Well, the obstacles are they don't like our price. The obstacle is the prickly hedge of doing business. We're quite happy with the people we use at the moment. Thank you. That is that is a stream we've got to get these sheep through. If we rush it and bark in, all they're going to do is run off. So we have to steer them gently. And, you know, here's the thing with the sheepdog. You can watch uh, one man and his dog. And the winner is the dog that does it the quickest with the least number of sheep running off. But they all succeed in the end. None of those sheep don't go, oh, sod this. I couldn't get the sheep anywhere near the bloody pen. I'm going home. You know, it's an inevitable outcome because dogs are quite. Oh, this is going to annoy a lot of people. Dogs are a little bit thick. Their, their mentality is simple. They are either happy or they're waiting to happy. They're yeah. waiting to be happy. They have no fear of death. They have no fear of the future. They have no fear of anything else. They live their life as it goes. And if they're given this simple task of moving sheep from one place to another, they don't question it. They don't complain at the height or size of the obstacles. They just work at it until the job's done. But we as humans give up because we've got the intelligence to give up. <laughs> Somebody said to me once, how come really, really, really rich people get to be really, really rich. Can I do it? And I always say you really want to have 70% of your brain removed, really. Because some of these, a shark is a prime example. A shark, if you want to take on a shark on uh, macrame or political discourse or the psychology of you know, the psychology of groups of people, the shark will lose every single time. The shark hasn't got a hope. You'll beat it. Fall in the sea and try and take one at swimming, swimming fast and eating. That You're not going to beat one doing that because that's all it ever does. And well, some rich people wake up in the morning and maybe they got rich selling pizzas. They wake up, the alarm goes and they go, make pizzas, sell pizzas. And you say, hey, do you want to do you want to go and listen to this wonderful concert? No, I'm making pizzas. You know, their, their focus is 100 percent miserable life. Don't bother getting rich. It's a waste of time. But if you want to do it, you have to focus. For me, when you're talking about that, I was brought back to an analogy of the greyhounds and they're running the greyhound race. But the truth is, you know, the, the rabbit goes out the trap. The greyhounds go hell for leather down the track. Do they ever catch the rabbit? <laughs> no. But do they have a bloody good time on the way down the track with their mates because they're just because they're enjoying the run? Absolutely, they enjoy the process. But the truth is, they never actually win. But they're too busy having a good time to notice. But here's another sheepdog. But here's another thing about greyhounds. Um, when they go over that line, one of them wins. Then yep. there's a thousand quid prize for the winning dog. The second prize gets. 500 quid, third prize, 250 quid, and the fourth dog gets nothing, you know? And then when you look at the, if you look at the, the photo finish, the dog that actually managed to 
puff his nose so his nostrils stuck out a quarter of an inch. He's earning twice as much as the dog behind. Yep. You know, and it's the same with our business. You know, it. you don't have to be a thousand times better than your competitors. You just have to be better. You just Sometimes, have to be a thousand a second faster. That's all. You see some crap businesses and you think, right, how are they making money? It's because they're less crap than their competitors. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to be. I used to ride horses a lot dangerous lunatic things that they are it's my wife's fault she said come on fatty we're going to go riding and horses race not to win horses race not to lose because they are a prey animal they get eaten by tigers so the horses are running and one horse is going bloody hell there's a tiger chasing us barry and he goes no i know that's why i'm running and he goes, and that his mate says, well, you'll never outrun the tiger. And he says, no, but I'll outrun you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it, 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 it almost, it's, like you say with the shark, though, is it's almost having to shift your mindset from being prey to kind of almost being predator and, and finding the right balance between the running distance and the striking distance. Yeah, and, and realizing that you need to be focused. Now, this is why we've been talking about questions, right? And the old chestnut is um, shut up and sell. You must have heard that. You know, God yeah. gave us two ears and one mouth. Shut up and sell. However, just like this stay at home, save the NHS business that's going on, it's got into people's heads and that it's going to be awfully hard to get out of people's heads. And I used to train salespeople and say, shut up and sell. So they would sit there and shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> they just sit there. And, I, and I, I've never been able to puzzle this out. You know what? Shut up and sell, but don't sort of shut up completely. You might, you know. And I, I had this cat, a beautiful, big, fat cat, vicious brute that he was, but he was big and ginger. Unfortunately, he's, he's no longer with us. He's joined the choir invisible. But when we had him, if you took the bin out, you know, the plastic bag out of the pedal bin, there's this horrible sort of rotting jelly sort of sludge at the bottom and if you didn't watch out this cat got in there and ate that sort of slime dripping off his chin <laughs> oh my god and then on a winter's evening you'd sit in your chair and this big ginger cat would come and snuggle under a radiator and he looked like one of those pajama cases not a bone in his body it's like he'd melted it's like he'd melted and the, as the radiator warm, warmed up, he was, the little chemical factory that was his insides started to produce the stinkiest farts you've ever smelled. Silent, hissing flatulence. And you'd sit there thinking, poor Christ, is there something? And you'd look around, there'd be this cat, beatific smile on his face, soft. Now, if I photographed that cat, and said, what do you think that is? And you'd say, that's a cat doing nothing, right? Yeah, you're right. It's a cat doing nothing. Then one day I saw him watching a bird in the garden. And you've never seen anything like it. He's not, he's not a pajama case anymore. He's a, he's a coiled spring of rippling muscle. You know, he's a 
killing machine. And he's Agreed. sitting there, and he, he's tasting the air. Oh, come on, little dicky bird. Just another inch closer. Just another inch closer, you know? And the eyes are on fire. You might photograph that and say, what's that then? You'd say, well, that's a cat doing nothing. I say, hang on. You said the first picture was a cat doing nothing. Yeah, but the, and that is active listening. When you listen to a customer, you're not the farting cat. I went into a, a, a stores the other day and I talked to a person who was just vacant. I said, you know, these is this a left-hand thread or a right-hand thread? You are. And I realized I'm talking to a farting cat, you know. But the, it, it's this, yeah, nodding, nodding, smiling. Yeah, okay, really? And you want to? Ah, I see. Hold on, hold, let me just make a, a note of that. So, okay, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. You're not, you're not talking the ass off the customer, but you're not a vacant, boneless lump either. You've got to have this thing of this wild animal watching its prey, basically. You've got to be ready. Yeah, and, and that takes a lot of mental discipline because what we tend to do is when somebody's talking to us, what we're doing is not listening at all. We're just thinking about what we want to say next. And I'm going to interject at that point, Ev. My question for everyone that's listening to this now, listening to what is it you're taking away from this? And actually, what is it as the coiled spring? What is it as the shark that is ready to you know, ready to do what it needs to do in that water, the cat ready to take the bird? What is it you need to be thinking about that's going to enable you to be in that state? What question do you can you ask or need to ask in order for you to make that happen, whatever that kill is? So I'm going to, I love the sheepdog analogy about the wrong sheep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting into people's thinking because what Jeff's talking about is from number one, what is the objective? It's having the objective in the conversation. Now, what have I learned from the individual? Is it a left or is it a right hand thread? Okay, what now what are you actually using this one? Okay, what else have I learned to use? Now, what have I learned to use elsewhere? So that you can become the coiled spring and seize all the opportunity that you need to get upon. So what is it you need to be doing? It's going to be helping you to think that way. One thing I wanted to come back to about that active listening is one of the things you talked mentioned earlier was gathering information and gathering intel. Go back to the manager because we talked a bit, a bit about this earlier. What is the responsibility of the sales manager though? Well, now. Uh, I, I used to do this thing. I used to say it's that the, the, any manager, not just a sales manager, any boss's job is to catch people doing things right. Um, and I could do a whole 20 minutes on that. Um, but I won't on this occasion. I don't think um, that that, rip, that rip requires a story called the crapping dog. And I think we've had enough trouble with animals and their indigestion. So the first the first the, the first job and it's it's to go back to what we started with on this is objective or task let's call it a task even even if you even if you run a coffee shop and you've got a saturday kid you know if you if you just say to them oh go and sweep up barry go and tidy the stock room that is not enough 
If you have to have a clear, if you're sending your sales team out, or if you're telling Barry the Saturday kid, or if you're whatever you're doing, you have to set down clearly what it is you want the task to be. Now that is not as simple as it sounds, because a there's nothing more dispiriting to anybody to be given a task that they can't do. So, so you know, as a as an early sales guy, I was given a pile of names and a phone and told to make appointments. That is depressing because I couldn't make any appointments. I was told to sod off. I was told this, that and the other. Nobody told me that, you know, make 10 phone calls. You'll make one appointment. Don't worry, Jeff. This is the way, you know, the task wasn't agreed. So so the, the objective or task, you need to sit down with that person. You need to assess what they're capable of. You need to make sure, you know, and again, the same with customers too. The Americans have got a dreadful expression, but it, it means something very valuable. They call it, you've got to build an off-ramp. You've got to build an off-ramp. And what that means is you don't just say, if you want to get to Sheffield, you just want to go on the M6 and stay on it till you get there. It's not precise enough. It doesn't hold the person's hand. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, I think somebody at Harvard did an experiment um, saying students, students uh, need to give five bucks to charity. You know, and, and they, they had a look and certain personalities gave and certain personalities didn't. And then, then they took a, set a, a similar group of students and said, they, they gave a background of the charity. They said, we will be visiting you at 3 p.m. in your rooms. Please have your $5 ready um, in the envelope provided and this, this, this. It was a list of precise instructions and the giving went up by like 300 percent or something so if you make it clear to people every step of the way you know like a, a recipe or whatever it is or, or the task or the objective needs to be agreed and then the steps to it need to be agreed as well the next the next step for somebody who's managing somebody is to give them the tools to achieve it. So, I mean, are you sending people into battle without any weapons? Are you sending your salespeople without the correct uh, presenter folders? Are they have, do they have up-to-date leaflets? You know, I, I've seen expensive companies send out people with leaflets and brochures with a sticker on them because the address has changed. Because somebody, the boss, I can't be asked to reprint a new leaflet. Shonky isn't the word to describe it, you know. Again, you know, if you want people to look professional, if you want people to look professional, you have to give them the tools to do that. And one of the tools may be the information. The other thing that I say is to remove obstacles. You're the boss. You own the business. Nobody can remove obstacles for their people more efficiently than the actual owner. You know, if you've got a restaurant and, and you know, the, you can see one of your staff having a struggle and you introduce yourself to the customer as the owner. 
and say, oh, I'm so, so glad you could join us. I'm Jeff. I'm the owner of, of Nosh, Nosh's Hours, you know, and I uh, hope you're enjoying your evening. Is there anything I can do? It, it's incredible. It's magic spell. The owner of a company has more clout than anybody. Years ago, I worked with this guy who, who's, uh, he was my boss. I was like only a kid. Yeah, I, and, uh, but he was the, he was the chief executive of a big company, employed me, um, but he belonged to a weird religion, a really weird religion. And, it, and its rules were, you can never tell lies. Anger is the work. If you're, if you're angry, then you've been possessed by the devil. They, they actually believed that. And that you were a servant to all. So, so first of all, he wasn't allowed to tell fibs. He wasn't allowed to shout at me. <laughs> which was amazing. I have never had a boss that couldn't before. And um, and he made himself accessible. And um, I mean, let's imagine, I, I don't want to say who they are, so well, let's imagine they made buckets. And I'd talk to a customer and I'd show him the buckets and the customer say, oh, I like the buckets. What colours do you do? Blue, red, green, whatever. Uh, we really like them in our company colours. Can you do that? Uh, how many would you? Well, 50,000. Oh, I'm not sure we can. But I knew that I could, it was before mobile phones, I could say, can I just ring my boss, Sir Martin? Sir Martin Higgins, you know, he's the chief executive chairman and of, of Martin Containers Global, whatever it was, and he would pick the phone up. Hello. I'd say, oh, hello, it's, it's Jeff. But, oh, yes, I know you, Jeff. Hello, you're one of our sales chappies, aren't you? Yeah, because he knew them all. Uh, Charlie, well, well, what can I do? I'm with a customer. He wants to talk to us. Oh, well, would you like me to have a chat? Yes. Hello, it's Sir Martin here. Had a jolly nice to hear. And how's Jeff getting off? Well, very well. But we just wanted to know if we could have buckets in the company. Oh, absolutely. We'd been delighted to do that for you. And if you just pop Jeff back, just just go pop Jeff back on the phone. And I'll get him to take all your details and we'll and you'll send us a sample of the colour. We'd be delighted to do that. Charming thing. And I, well, I didn't have to do any work. I mean, I just didn't have to do any work. I mean, the, the fact that the, that the boss would intercede to remove obstacles and things, you know, this. You know, and again, uh, if you don't empower or enable your people, it just weakens them. Excuse me, I just wonder if I could have my chips on a separate plate. I'd have to ask. I'll have to ask. An example of that. So, sorry, go on. Um, and for me, that brings up that psychological safety. Because, you know, as a leader, as a sales manager, as a business, if your people feel that you're there to help remove those obstacles, they will go and remove more obstacles for your clients and make more people clients. Rather than feeling that friction and tension, because that, that stuff's contagious. Yeah. Well, if you take my sheepdog analogy again, the, the, the chief executive is the shepherd. And he's quite happy to let the dog go. I mean, the, the dog scoops up these sheep and they through the prickly edge and they get this that, and the other. At the last minute, which is the most important bit, the shepherd is holding the gate open on the pen. You know, you've seen him do it. He's there. You know, the gate opener is the shepherd. And if we've got our flock of salespeople, we should be the shepherd that opens that gate and holds it while, the, while they go in. I mean, imagine the dog coming back saying, oh, how'd you get on? Oh, fantastic. 
I got the I got the sheep, got them moving. They weren't frightened. They trusted me. We got them through the prickly edge of, you know, we got them across the stream, through the trees. I got them to the gate of the pen. So you've got them in the pen. Uh, no, but they were very interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but leading on from that is, you know, the shepherds there with the gate open and, you know, enabling, removing the obstacle. But at the same time, he's got a pocket full of dog treats in the nicest yeah. possible way. The third step, the salesperson is, they've got to agree the task and the objectives. They've got to remove the obstacles and give the correct tools. And their third job is to say thank you. Thank you to the, if it's, it's unbelievably, beneficial to work with somebody who's rewarding catch people doing things right and again again I, this is a very controversial thing but i i would base my reward structure of my people to their ability if i'm trying to train an unruly pup that poos everywhere and bites people i would reward him just for not biting but my best dog shat if he lets one sheep run away, I'm cross with him. That's not, he's too good for that. You know, I'm t he's too good to let that happen. But if I start kicking the pup because he, he failed, but you can't expect that. You know, I know the pup's got it good in him. I know, I know that the, he know his parents. I know that it's Shep and Lucy, my two best dogs. And the pup has got that potential. But you'll just dispirit him if you kick him every time that he, may, he, he has an accident. And the other dogs shouldn't turn around and say, hang on, this isn't fair. The pup gets all the, never gets told off. And he will, but we need to stage him towards, towards doing that. We, we need to ease people into having great behavior. And, and before you, you intercede, I, you, know, you know I hate motivational phrases. If you want to soar with the eagles, don't hang around with the turkeys. You know that one? Well, I saw a bum, I saw a saying that was more worrying than that. Somebody said, You want me to be an, an e you want me to be an eagle? How can I be an eagle when I work with turkeys? You see? That and that was a sales manager who said that. How can I be an eagle when I work with turkeys? And I thought, hang on, mate. You you employed them, you know. If, if you're going to employ, it's like the, the, the Irishman, every day, every day he would open, a, on a building site, he would open his sandwiches and say, um, oh, cheese again, I ate cheese, and he'd throw them away, and then he'd open them the next day and say, oh, cheese, I ate cheese, and throw them away. And on the third day, he just threw the packet of sandwiches away without opening them, and his mate said to him, why did you, why did you do that? I ate cheese. And he said, well, how did you know they were cheese? You didn't unwrap them. He said, I made them. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's the same with people. You know, you, you, you think that the people you're working with are a bunch of idiots. Who gave them the job? You know, what, 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 what were you doing recruiting them? You know, and, it, and if, if you say, well, I recruit them to a certain standard, then if you can't bring them up to perform for you by, by, by acting in the correct manner, then it's not their fault, it's yours. Absolutely. And you know, it is the moment that you judge someone, you cannot influence them. The moment I think someone's an idiot, I treat them like an idiot. Therefore, they can't, they can't exceed my expectation because I'm too busy pressing them down into that box. 
Could you um, tell Mrs. Birch that? <laughs> yeah, you two have been together long enough. I'm, I'm, I don't think I can change that one for you. She's yeah, she's convinced I'm an idiot. You know, behind every successful man is a very surprised woman. They say. <laughs> But this this element of thank you, and this is something that I teach, we teach when we're doing feedback, in the nicest possible way. I could stand at the doors of you know the factory of you know Acme shoehorn makers or whatever, and I could shake everyone's hand as they walk out. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But by the time that they all sixteen hundred people have got to the car, they have no idea who I am. They couldn't care less. And it, for me, it's that specificity. You know, like I say, catch them getting it right when you give that thanks for me is be really specific this is what i saw you do today it was phenomenal please keep doing that tomorrow and they're more likely to come back tomorrow and do it again which makes their job easier and your life easier as a sales manager 100 percent, absolutely and, and again that's the same with this this goal setting sometimes this business of setting an unachievable goal it's like swimming after a lilo bed it'll drown you in the end you'll never catch it and then you just give up and sink Yep. And, and again, you, you get this dispirited workforces that just give up and sink. You need to show people they can do things. Agreed. That, that, that's absolutely vital. I mean, again, for another another session on another day, I'll do my basketball story, but we'll leave that. It's long, complicated and very weird. And, but it and is about what? catching people doing things right. And this is valuable. So quick rundown, conscious time. Please, any questions that you've got right now, please put them in the question box as we're just doing a recap now. Any questions, fire them in. What are your top takeaways? What questions have you got? Let's bring them. And like you say, it is is about catching people getting it right. Look, you know, give them the specifics about what to do so you know where they're going and they know where they're going. Give them the tools to do it and remove the obstacles. And then thank them specifically for taking advantage of the obstacle being removed and actually achieving the objective along the way. Ah, here's a good question. How better? How do I better ask what budget do you have? I don't know. I, I kind of like that one. What budget do you have? I mean, I that's like that, that. That is actually something that I that that that's something that I regularly do, really, because I I I, I like to know. Obviously, uh, I'll put the the only thing with that is that the, it does invite the customer to tell fibs. You know that they will always. <laughs> They will always undershoot, I would think, on the budget. So, so I think it's not so much asking people what budget they've got. Is you've got to get them excited and desirous of the product to then say, you know, again, it's a, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it's, it's analyzing what people say. So you, you, you present a price to them, and they go, well, that's too expensive. We tend to then think that they want to pay less. But actually, that might not mean that at all. You, we need to investigate their comment. So you say, oh, too expensive. I, I, I'm sorry, how, how do you mean too expensive? Or, you know, I, I do tend to, people say, Jeff, we'd love you to speak at our conference. And I, I, I you know, how much do you charge? And I do tend to say, well, do you, do you have a budget? for that and, and then when they tell me we either go yeah well we can work within that or, or we 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 try and work them up to be able to afford us but I, I do like to know I do like sort of base figures of what people are thinking of 
But but do you remember yesterday we talked about the past, didn't we? Yes. And again, I think you can do that with budget. How how much have you been spending on this up until now? What what was what did you pay the last time you had this done? So you can without scaring the customer off or forcing them to give a budget and also actually provoking them into telling fibs if they tell you well uh, the last you know we had uh, we had dick perkins at our conference last year oh he's brilliant i like him never diss the competition even though i'm thinking he's a pillar um oh brilliant he's good he's funny isn't he um um have you any idea what fee he charged? Oh yeah, yeah, we paid him twelve grand. And you think, oh, that's interesting, because I would I would have been half that. But like, if they if they if they paid a speaker twelve grand, and then say, is that the sort of, would you be spending the same this year? And they go, no, 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 no. We just we we contacted you because we heard you were cheap, you know. So so we know where we're going with this now. So so this that that's how you would do it. And for me, as you were saying, I was thinking and asking the question, okay, well, what have you spent previously? What was the result you got last time that's causing you yeah. to look for somebody else to yeah. do this? Because maybe the result wasn't what they wanted or that they were expecting to get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And did you, did you actually, was it good? Because if they said, no, absolutely brilliant. We absolutely loved the Watkins hedge trimmers. They were fantastic, but they've gone out of business. So you're looking for something similar. Oh, yeah, if we could get exactly the same again. That would be fantastic, you know, because sometimes what we do is we oversell our product. Here's a, here's a really interesting thing. What I used to do, I used to get a flip chart. And I used to say, the Thunderbolt 5000 wristwatch, it is digital. Batteries last for three years. It does pulse time, will link to your phone, is waterproof to 25,000 feet. Um, is digital and analog, uh, has four alarm chimes, the timer, speed timer, egg timer, and musical birthday reminder. All this for, and I used to say to myself, name the price. Go on, how much? 20 quid. Exactly. 19.99 every single time. And then I'm making these names up, by the way. You have a glossy page in the same magazine with a single clockwork watch that does bugger all and it says timepiece created by Joadalain Supon yours for 3000 quid 8000 quid it does sod all and it's clockwork you know and i call that feature dumping the more features you give the lower your prices Oh, and we deliver. Oh, and it's the same, does the same hedge cutting, but it comes with a tea making device. And it does it, and it does this, and it does that. And it's cheaper than the last one. That's what the customer's now expecting to hear. You know, <laughs> it's not creative. Uh, again, another thing that drives me nuts is people showing how strong. I, I was watching, I was working with some guys selling office equipment. And one of their salesmen used to kick the filing cabinets to show how strong they were. And it, look at this. They're made out of the same metal. They build tanks. Bang, 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 bang. And the customer winced every time he did it. And he's saying, well, I'll show how strong they are. And I said, that's, first of all, who wants a strong filing cabinet? I don't, don't want my filing cabinet to take armor-piercing shells. And secondly, 
if you handle, if he'd put on white cotton gloves and slid the drawer out, glided it out and touched it like he loved it, you know. I, I used to watch a salesman in a garden centre, a saleswoman, it was a woman, and she didn't do it consciously, but when she was holding a pot plant, she'd stroke it like it was an animal. And she sold more plants than anybody in the place because she she was adding value with the way she handled and respected her product. Agreed. And it's the same with our people. It's the same with our people because they're the ones that are potentially selling the product uh, yeah. and showing them that care to create that psychological safety where they feel loved and cherished and they will love and cherish the client at the other end. I always think that with the high street. Everybody on the high street earns the same money. They're all on this kind of minimum wage. But you go to the pound shop at one end of this high street and you go to you go to the sort of French fashion shop at the other and the staff are different. Why? Why have they got different personalities when they're all earning the same money? One lot walk around like they're royalty and the other walk around scratching their bottoms. And you can work out which one I'm talking about. So why? It, it must be the culture. Um, another thing, people don't manage their cultures. They don't even know what their culture is. They don't manage it. They don't build on their reputation or their anything. They don't know that they've got a culture, let alone manage it. And that we're going to save for another day because right now we're about 12 minutes over time, Jeff. So, look, um, got a comment on there. Be the shepherd who opens the gate. Absolutely. This is, you know, if you're going to be a, a leader, a salesperson, it's about removing the object, um, your obstacles. Make sure your people know where they're going. Remove the obstacle and then go and, you know, support people getting it right by telling them they got it right and thanking them for it. Jeff's looking for his dog walking book. Yeah, I can't find it. I'll find it for tomorrow, I promise. It, <laughs> on the cover of the book is a dog herding sheep. It's called. It, by the way, if you want to get it on Audible, it's actually me reading it. It's very funny then. Um, but the Russian is a huge bestseller in Russia. And I didn't understand why. And then when I looked at the Russian version, the dogs are wearing, the, the sheep are wearing suspender belts and the dog's got like a satin smoking jacket on. I thought, what sort of book do they think they're buying? I thought it was because they were still wearing one man and his dog, because we stopped that yeah, in 1986. No, I'm, not making any, I'm not making any difficult jokes, I promise. <laughs> right, okay. everybody, thank you very much for today. Illuminating, appreciate it, Jeff. If you haven't already signed up for tomorrow, the link is in the chat box. Please go and sign up, and we will see you here tomorrow. Jeff, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure.